Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy, again, in my spirit to greet you today uh, and to share the Word of God with you. I believe that the Holy Spirit will pinpoint those exact things in your heart that God wants to do, that even today, while I'm, while I'm talking, the Holy Spirit will answer questions that you may have about certain biblical and spiritual things. So I want you to listen with an attentive heart today. Praise God. Now, we're going to begin today in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, if you would like to take your Bibles there and meet me in verse 18. Praise God. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Praise God forever. Now, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, but I want you to receive these verses into your spirit. They will build great strength into your life for God's best. Now, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him. That, that of course, would be Abraham. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, that would be Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. A tithe means 10%. 10% of any type of money that comes into your hands, that whether you earn it, whether it's given to you, whether you inherit it, whether it's an unexpected financial blessing, 10% goes to the Lord. Sometimes people say, I, I want to walk in the blessings of Abraham. Well, then you have to do the righteous practices of Abraham. One of those, of course, uh, a primary one is that he was a tither. Now, what's going on right here is that Lot, Abraham's nephew, has been carried away through a a band, uh, how can we say a small militant band? Uh, not really small, but you know, this is not like a mega army attack, but like a raiding band came down from the north, came down south, and uh, captured this certain area, took a lot of the people away, of course, took all their possessions, uh, and just hauled it all, all the way back up north to where their base camp was at. Well, Abraham uh, grabs his men. Uh, these men, of course, who were mainly involved in, you know, raising cattle and so forth, they had also been trained for warfare. So they knew how to, uh, you know, dig wells, and they knew how to uh, raise good cattle, but they also knew how to handle a spear, a shield, a sword, and they, they were ready to go. So Abraham and these men all go up north. Uh, they recapture everything. And they bring, they bring it all back. All the people were spared and kept alive. So they've got all the people brought back, including Lot. And, uh, you know, they also are bringing back all the possessions that were taken away. Now, verse 21, this is very important. Now, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons. In other words, all of my guys, you know, and all the ladies and the kids that were all taken away as captive, uh, just let me have them back. He says, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. In other words, Abram, uh, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be seeing any of this stuff anyhow. I, I didn't have the strength, me and my, my other associates, we didn't have the strength to go and track these guys down way off. And by the way, when you, when you see where they were taken captive to, this is way up north of Israel. This was quite a journey and a long journey back. So the king of Sodom is basically saying, you know, I, I'm just happy to get my guys back, to get the ladies back, and uh, you know what, we never would have even seen all of our possessions again. So you, uh, Abram, just keep, just keep the possessions. They were as good as gone anyhow, so why don't you keep those? Uh, verse 22, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most tied, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, and trust me, you know he would say this if, th if this had been the case, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. This is very, very important. What's 
What's Abram, of course, whose name was later changed to Abraham? What's Abraham basically saying here? He's saying, God's the one that's made me rich. And so don't, try, you know, you know, don't try to take credit or maybe give it, uh, you know, upon yourself or even somewhere else for something that only God is the one who has done in my life. Now, we see this also, Isaiah 51, verse 2. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For, this is what God said. For I called him alone, referring to Abraham, and blessed him and increased him. So God called Abraham alone. God blessed him. God increased him. What's going on here? Abraham is saying, God is the one who made me rich. And I, I run into this all the time where people, uh, I'm talking about in the church, people in the church think that it comes from some other type of origin, where really when, when God is blessing a person, God is the one that's making that person rich. Oh no, Pastor Stephen, that's only because that person landed a big contract. If they didn't have that big contract, they wouldn't have got that big business account. That's why they're making the money. And so they, they'll never give the glory to the Lord. They'll always make excuses like, the, the, you know, that it happened for that person because of this. But really, the reason the big contract came to that person was because they're a tither, they're honoring the Lord, they're working biblical principles, and God's blessing them. So that's what we learned from the life of Abraham. God made Abraham rich. God made David rich. God made Solomon rich. God is the one that's making these men, and uh, there were also women in the Bible that were made wealthy. God made Job rich. Well, you know, Pastor Stephen, it's just accidental. They just kind of bumped into prosperity. No, it wasn't. It was all covenant based. These people had covenants with God, and they, they, performed the obligations of the covenant, and God made them wealthy. It, it's no mystery to it when you realize that God is the one who's doing it. Praise God. God's the one who made Abraham rich, and God is making you rich. Now, I, w I want you to say that. Say, God made Abraham rich. Now, let's not give credit to the king of Sodom. Uh, he had wealth, but Abraham didn't touch a not even a shoelace of that guy's wealth. So that guy didn't make Abraham rich. Who made Abraham rich? God did. Say this right now. Say, God made Abraham rich, and God is making me rich. Let that be your personal confession. Proverbs 10, chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one poor, Ah, Pastor Stephen, you've got the wrong version. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Again, Proverbs, the 10th chapter, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. What does the word blessing mean in Hebrew? It means empowered to prosper. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. God doesn't add sickness to it. God doesn't add disease to it. God doesn't add stress, anxiety, or heart attack to it. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and it's so good that God adds no sorrow to it. This is stress-free financial, financial prosperity. Praise God. Uh, one of my assistants uh, sometime back was uh, doing something here in the county, and uh, ran across a, uh, a gentleman that was formerly connected with this ministry. A good man, uh, a good person, but he's no longer associated with this ministry. He kind of just maybe, how can we say, just drifted away. And I was concerned about him because when he drifted away, he drifted back to the old religious uh, baloney that while he was sitting under the teaching here, he began to come out of that. And some light began to dawn on him. But he always loved the old religious tradition. Remember, Jesus said, he told the Pharisees, the religious leaders, Be because of your traditions, you've made the Word of God of no effect. In other words, it won't work. It, it's like dishwashing detergent, where you can have some dishwashing detergent, 
but if you don't have enough water and you just keep throwing mud, grease, grime in there, you're eventually going to over, overwhelm what that detergent can do to clean. So that's what religious tradition can do. So uh, my assistant, one of my assistants ran into this uh, nice gentleman. Of course, you still say this man still loves the Lord. Uh, but my my friend ran into him and uh, they just began to have a conversation. And for some reason, the, the name of a well-known minister popped up. And so this man who used to uh, be a part of my ministry, he said, he said to my friend, he said, you know, it's just not right that preachers have that much money. Now, he would have never said that while he was sitting uh, under this ministry hearing good teaching, but because he went back into religious tradition where there's a lot of uh, uh, false teaching that holiness is related to poverty and stuff like that. He made a statement to my friend that saddened him and it saddened me. The, this former uh, m- uh, member of the ministry said, he said, it's not right that preachers have that much money. And the preacher that he was criticizing is one of the most humble men, one of the most sweetest men, one of the most integrous men. If you met this man on the street, you would think this guy is a really nice guy. This preacher that was being criticized by somebody formerly associated with my ministry. This preacher that was being criticized is very wealthy, and when you look at his life, there's no question, his wealth comes from God. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, he, he's wealthy because he has a big ministry, and he has a lot of partners. That's where his wealth comes from, really. Well, if that's where his wealth comes from, how come all these other ministers don't have a lot of partners? How come it's not working for them? Because they don't believe God and use their faith like this minister does. This minister who is a strict adherent to Scripture, who studies it day and night, meditates on it day and night, and it's transformed his thinking, it's transformed his life. He is a big giver, a big seed sower very, very generous giver. His tithe every month is $400,000 cash. And yet, a critic will look at him and say, that's not right that preachers have that much money. While I know, as that critic's former pastor, I was his pastor, I know he was never, the critic was never a consistent tither. A good man? Yes. Did he love Jesus? Yes. Does he still love the Lord? Yes. But he was never, he never really hooked in him the power of the word, the integrity of the word. So he just stands back today and criticizes those who are blessed by the Lord. Do you know who the critics are actually criticizing? Oh, they think they're criticizing the minister. They're actually criticizing God. Why? The prosperity comes from God. The reason they're rich, the reason they're blessed, is because God made them rich. And for people to criticize those ministers is to literally criticize Jesus to his face. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, he said, I'm not taking anything from you. He said, I'm not taking any of your goods. You can have them all. You can have all all of these people that that were, uh, uh, how can we say, subject to your kingdom. I got my guys, and I got all yours back, too. You can have all your people back. And you can have all your goods back. I'm not taking even a shoelace from you. And he's basically saying, God is the one who made me rich. God is the one who made Abraham rich. God is, uh, well, Pastor Stephen, the reason Abraham was rich was because of his location. He was centered on one of those major ancient Middle Eastern highways, and all the traffic went by there, and he discovered water, and uh, uh, that's why he's selling so many cattle. The reason he discovered water was, was because he had cut a covenant with God, and God blessed him. The reason he was put on that location was because while he was over there in the Ur of the Chaldees, God said, come out of there, i got a place for you, come over here, boom, and plopped him right into a piece of land <laughs> that turned into one of the most valuable pieces of real estate in the world, and still is today. That wasn't Abraham's doing, that was all God's doing. God made Abraham rich. God said, I called him, I blessed him, I increased him. 
Now say this, say, God made Abraham rich. God made Job rich. Say this, say, God made David rich. Do some study. You'll see that David was a billionaire, perhaps most likely a multi-billionaire in modern day equivalent. And you know Solomon was. Now say this, God made Solomon rich. So say this, God is making me rich. Say it again. Say, the same God is making me rich. Woo! Woo! You might not be a billionaire. You might not make it to that level. But, hallelujah, you can certainly get to a place where you have a lot of extra. You don't have to be a billionaire to have a lot of extra. Woo! Glory to God. Praise God. Receive the grace of the Lord. Receive the blessing of the Lord to be made rich. Praise God. Let's receive the tithes and the offerings. Let's pay our tithes just like Abraham did. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The tithe is 10%. Let's bring it into the storehouse. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. If you are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. Praise the Lord. Those of you that like to bring the tithes and offerings in online, and I know many of you that live in other countries, you, you prefer to do it that way. It's very, it's very simple, very easy, very safe and secure. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there regardless of what time it is in the, uh, in the world. You can go there at your convenience, and you can send them right into the storehouse of the Lord. Praise God. It allows us to continue to preach the gospel in a greater and greater capacity. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for your people. I'm praying for your people that you make them rich. That is your plan for their life. That is absolutely 100% plan for, your, for their life. You do not have a plan for them to be poor. You, you never reveal that in Scripture. You have a plan for them to be made rich. Thank you, Father. Let your blessing work. Let it be received by grace into their lives. I thank you. We rejoice together that you are making them rich, just like you did Abraham. Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know what? As God raises you up financially, you're going to have others who don't understand the covenant, who don't understand your being tied in with this great source of unlimited supply who is God. So they're going to try to say, oh, you're just lucky. You're just, you're just under your lucky star. All kinds of weird, bizarre statements people make, even in the church. They'll just say, well, that must be God's will for your life, but it's God's will for me to be poor. And on and on they'll go. They'll even try to deflect it in ways by saying, oh, that was just your lucky break. That was just luck that you happened into that. But you know, and I know that it was God who made you rich, and it's working right now in your life. Rejoice in that today. Woo! Praise the Lord. Well, let's jump into God's Word um, more, uh, more deeply further today by uh, going to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I would like to discuss today about uh, God's plan for you to receive His best into your life. Oh, I, I think it's amazing that God chooses what's best for you from His perspective. And I tell you, what is it ever good? Let's talk about that today. 1 Corinthians, we're going to go over to chapter 10. And I'd like for you to meet me today in verse 5. And let's open up today in prayer as we go into the main sermon today. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into Your Word that Your Holy Spirit would continue to operate in our lives with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the Scriptures would be open to us. Thank You, Father God, that the key of knowledge would be given unto us, the key of understanding. Thank You, Father God. Let our faith be bold. Let our faith be bold. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. This is something very interesting about faith. Um, faith is not rude. Faith is not arrogant. But 
at the same time, faith is very bold. And now, again, it's not, it's not rude, it's not arrogant. But it, I, I could see how it could appear to some that way. Because there are some people in the church who are very, very mousy. When I say mousy, I'm talking about people that it's almost like they don't have a backbone. They won't even stand up for, uh, you know, uh, what's right. It's just like they'll, they'll, you know, whatever is going on, that's what they're into, you know. So they don't really have a, they don't have like a standard. So when you come forth with a standard of faith, you draw a line in the sand and you say, I, I, I believe, you know, I receive and this is the path of God and this, I'm going for this. Uh, they'll think, well, that, that's just being, you're just being arrogant. No, I'm just believing what God said. I just, uh, I just dare to believe what God said is actually true. You know, it reminds me of a person one time who, who uh, when I was talking about prayer, the person just as I kept talking, just looked at me with a startled look and, and said to me very sincerely, but said to me, you know, Stephen, from the way that you're talking about prayer, it seems like you're trying to convey the message that you actually believe that when you pray, God's going to answer your prayers. I said, yes, of course. Uh, th- this is a Christian saying this to me who, who had so much religious tradition. They thought like prayer was just something that you do. It's just some kind of, you know, like pious, like 22nd act. And then, you know, God doesn't really hear here. So, you know, you're just, you know, you're just trying to do this religious thing. And, and uh, when they made that statement, they were just like, you, you know, you, they were just stunned that they actually thought that I believe God answers your prayer. I said, of course, that's what I believe. And they, they, th- they thought that was arrogant. Well, who do you think you are? I think I'm somebody that actually believes the Bible. <laughs> I, just, I just read it and believe it. And uh, these are people, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of why it's not working for them. And, and these are, these are the ones who are disillusioned, and there's a reason why they are. There's a reason why they are. Let's talk about this today, and let's talk about receiving God's best for our lives. Praise God. So, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Spirit working, holding us, lifting us up to see the standard of truth in Christ, His Holy Word. Thank You, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at, look at verse 5, but with most of them, that would have been the children of Israel, particularly in context, those in the wilderness journey. Those who saw the fire at night, the cloud by day, those who with their own eyes saw the Red Sea split apart, and they walked through it on dry ground. It says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. You can't please God without faith. And the more bold your faith is, the better results you're going to get. Let me say it like this. Faith is courageous. It's bold when you really bite. If you're going to bite, bite hard, because you're going to get better results. If you're going to do it, do it with all your heart, and believe it, and don't doubt it, and you're going to get a whole lot better results. Praise God. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. They, they, didn't, they just didn't believe, and you cannot please God if you're in unbelief. Okay? For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's not going to be your testimony. Now these things, these things that they went through, these things they experienced, some of their victories, but in this context, most of their failures. These things became our examples. Now the word example in the Greek is the word typos. And in the English we just call it types. A type is something that would represent a, maybe like, like what you would call a word picture. It's almost like a shadow. Well, you have a shadow. If you have a shadow, that means there's also of substance. But it would be something that could be seen as a figure or pattern. So we look back then, they had the shadow, we have the substance. They had these figures, these representations, but all of that was really 
stuff that was like it was just object lessons that we can use in the last days in which we are living now these things became our examples our types to the intent that we should not lust after evil things uh, as they also lusted it begins uh, to give uh, some of their descriptive failures going into idolatry going into sexual immorality going into places of tempting Christ uh, and also a lot of complaining uh, complaining murmuring griping bitterness all of that verse 11 now all these things happen to them as examples again the word example is the Greek word type or a figure okay they, they are examples and they were written for our admonition now the word admonition in the Greek actually means training through words oh that's amazing when you spend time studying the lives of the Israelites of the Jewish people and you read that in the Word of God you're going to get training through words it produces an admonition an encouragement it's like the word speaking to you and saying come on you can do it they failed but you can observe their failures and why they failed and because of that you know how to do it right and you're going to make it praise God so they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come the end of the ages the age or the dispensation of grace is is going to close out we don't have that much more time left i'm i'm not going to guess at it because it's pointless to do that it could be five years it could be 10 years it could be 50 years um i just think we need to stay busy until christ comes back but one thing that we do know is that we are in the last days of the last days so we really need to be uh, going full pursuit of the high calling that God has given to us praise God now let's go back and take a look into their life of the Israelites and and why some didn't make it why some failed why they just perished out in the desert knowing that these these experiences were recorded supernaturally divinely written under inspiration for our admonition and we can look at those examples and we can see things that will really help us even in our present experience I would like for you to go to the book of Deuteronomy and let's go to chapter 1 Deuteronomy chapter 1 praise God today glory to the Lord Deuteronomy chapter 1 we're going to start in verse 20 this this is very interesting they they did not possess the promises of God because basically they just flat out didn't believe what God promised them now here's something that can be a real sneaky danger watch this watch this today be uh, pay attention this is very very important this is something that can be a very sneaky danger even for believers who have had good solid teaching of the Word of God what can happen is that you begin to get exposure to the Word of God you begin to get an understanding of what faith is you even begin to study perhaps in depth what faith in God's Word actually is and you begin to get some working knowledge of this so you could say that you do have head knowledge where you know the ABC's of faith just like you know the ABC's of the English language I know some of you watch from many different countries people watching in in, um, in Asia people watching in China people watching in Taiwan people watching in Australia of course in Australia you're speaking English but many foreign countries with other other languages watch and it's great to be bilingual that way you can understand what is being taught here but here's the thing you can get working knowledge of faith in your head but but the sneaky danger of how you could still fail 
is that although you have understanding of it, although you have knowledge of it, you actually never step out and exercise and use your faith. And there's a vast difference between the two. Wow. When I was in, in high school, I had a, a neighbor who lived uh, across the back alley from me. One of my best friends, his name was Jesse. He was Hispanic. Uh, Jesus was his real name, but you know he he was known as Jesse. So Jesse was one of my best friends, and um, Jesse's brother, uh, Paul. Jesse had a lot of brothers. His name Jesse was Jesus. He had a brother named Daniel, Paul. Uh, I, I think he had like. I don't know, like eight or nine brothers, and they all had biblical names. So um, they were all uh, just great guys. A lot, lot of fun. No, no sisters. Isn't that amazing? But all these, all these brothers, all with biblical names. So uh, one of the brothers, I can't remember his name, but one of the brothers had gotten a book on karate, and uh, I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard that he was learning karate. He, he was actually kind of announcing that. He told everybody, hey, I'm learning karate. So I had heard from Jesse that his brother was learning karate. And so I, I saw him. I said, well, hey, uh, you know, show us some karate. He goes, well, I'm still learning. I can't really show anything. I said, well, who's teaching you? He said, the book. I said, you're learning from a book? <laughs> he says, yes. And so I said, well, show me the book, because I, I had kind of wanted to learn myself. I, had, you know, I had heard about it. And this was when you know, martial arts was not like in the mainstream. It was still had an element of mystery to it. So I, uh, I wanted to learn myself. So I said, show me the book. And he shows me this book, like a 200 page book with, with picture illustrations of a guy punching a guy, a guy blocking. And you know, in the book, it says, this is how you do this. You bring your left arm down, you punch your right arm out and you know, uh, descriptions and pictures, things like that to help you out. And so I, I tried to read the book and maybe learn some of it too, but I just like, I was just left puzzled. Like, how do you get from this position to that position? And how do you, and he goes, well, I, I don't really know. Yeah. So, um, so I gave up on the book. He kept trying to learn from the book. I don't think it really did much for him, but it wasn't until later. I think it was about, about three years later when I was in college and um, I was a sophomore in college and just, uh, you know, there's a martial arts school in town and I just kind of drifted into it out of curiosity and because uh, I'd always wondered about martial arts, I thought they were cool. And then I began to learn from a master instructor, seventh degree black belt from uh, from Korea. And this was this was old school. This is not like a modern Taekwondo, which is you know what they call modern Taekwondo Olympic style, uh, which is based on point scoring. Uh, so it's not really a combat sport. That's more of a sport. Uh, you know, with all the safeguards, that's cool. But this was a man that kind of still taught the old school style of stuff that actually works on the street. And so I began to realize real quick through this master teacher that the only way that you can learn this stuff is by getting in classes like this. You never could learn it from a book. Um, I don't even think really in some ways you could learn it from uh, videos. I think videos could help a whole lot. But really, when you get into a classroom environment and you start learning, and also when somebody hits you or somebody kicks you, and now you learn, now you're learning spacing and stuff like that. Same thing in a martial arts where you have guys that were real good with what's called forms. You do these, uh, you know, demonstration of your forms of you know blocking and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't work at all when it really comes to real life sparring or, or full contact. So, uh, you know. You, you can't substitute knowing about faith, learning about faith, reading about faith, even hearing messages on faith, which are vitally important. You cannot let that fool you in the thinking you're in faith, because until you actually get in the game and start believing God, and you step out and you're using your faith on a faith project, until you're actually exercising it you don't really know what it is. And I have seen Bible school graduates miss it, knowing so much about it, but there it's like they never got into the real thing. And so it's like the person reading the karate book. Uh, it, it's not the same when you're 
when you're really in the real thing. I remember when I was testing for my high red, that's right below black belt. It was my uh, third strike red. And I had to fight uh, three full grown men. Now I was in my twenties, but the instructor put, one of the guys was a Navy officer, six foot, six foot five, um, could slam dunk a basketball off one foot, uh, just phenomenal leaping ability, just, uh, you know, super long reach and all of this. And uh, it was, it was, it was very, very tough. And they, they really tried to put it to me. This, this is like bone breaking type stuff. This is real stuff. <laughs> this was old school. <laughs> Probably wasn't very smart. And, uh, you know, uh, th this is when you don't have insurance and you just, you're, you know, it is what it is. If something breaks, you're responsible for it. And uh, we had to figure those things out as we went along. But you're talking about in the heat of battle, learning what it really is. And there's a place, there's a place in this where if you, if, if you step back and watch it, you think it's violent. And in a way it is, but if you're actually in it, and it's you're and you're in that fire in the heat of that there comes a point it may seem weird there comes a point you're it's actually comfortable and those of you uh, that have done mixed martial arts MMA as they call it today and stuff like that you know that or even heavy contact like football once you get hit really hard there is a place you could get comfortable with it I, I talked with the guy that was um a former quarterback for the Chicago Bears, and he said, Stephen, he said, after you've just gotten plastered by guys that weigh 350 pounds and run over and sacked, he said, there's a point, you just, just get up and walk away. You kind of develop a tolerance to it, and it your body uh, develops a tolerance to it. Now, you may have some brain injury later. Lord have mercy. That's why you need to know the blood of Jesus and stay in the Word so that everything works the way it's supposed to. But there's a place where you know what it is, and you're comfortable in it. But it's very, very deceptive for people that, that want to possess the promises of God, to just talk about it. But never really to engage, to get in there, start driving out the Amalekites, driving out the Hittites, engaging the Gergeshites, and saying, we're taking what's ours. We're taking what's ours. We're possessing the promises of God. Woo! It's different. It's different. And God's grace is there to help you every step of the way. Verse 20, And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Verse 21, Look, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Well, I, I want to study more about it, Pastor Stephen. I, I want to read more articles about possessing. I want to have life group discussions about possessing. I, I don't really want to do the possessing just yet. Then you don't really know what real faith is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Do not fear or be discouraged. I think any Christian would, would admit that if you're in fear, you're not in faith. Why? You, because you can't, you can't be both at the same time. You cannot be in faith when you're just, you, you're totally panicked and you, you're skittish and you're afraid. That's not faith. It's the exact opposite of it. I think any believer would admit that. But watch this. This is amazing. Do not fear. I mean, this is a commandment of God. Do not fear and do not be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. That, I think, is where sometimes people can miss it the area of discouragement. You have to resist fear, but you also need to resist discouragement. It's a different enemy. You have to resist discouragement. In Hebrew, the word discouraged is the word shathoth, and it means to have a breakdown. That's, that's literally what it means. Oh, come on, Pastor Stephen, it doesn't mean that. No, that's exactly what it means. It means to have a breakdown. It means to have a breakdown. It can also mean to be beaten down. It can mean to be dismayed. Here's a good English word to also express what this is referring to. The word discouraged, the word chathoth in Hebrew means to be frustrated. Look, these are things we learn. These are things we learn. Why? Because, because sometimes we think we're in faith when we're actually, we're not. And 
when you're not in faith, it's it's not happening. That 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 promise is, you know what? You're not working on it. You're not you're not on task. If you're in fear, I believe that we would, you know, acknowledge that. Okay, but if you're also discouraged, you're you're not in faith. If you're frustrated, you're not in faith. Well, Pastor Stephen, what are some identifiers? What is a litmus test that would help me to know so that I cannot be deceived? In other words, if, if I'm discouraged uh, or if I'm frustrated, how can I tell? Here, here's your litmus test. When you say things like, it's not working, God, I don't understand why it's not working for me. Oh, oh look, no condemnation. Been there, done that. Where, uh, especially on projects where you know this is not going to happen overnight. You're using your faith, and maybe, maybe this is going to run a few months, maybe even longer. And, uh, you know, there is that temptation. There's a temptation to get into fear. We know that. We know that's wrong. Stay out of fear. Okay, stay strong. Don't get in the fear. But this thing of discouragement is very, very sneaky. And people can be in discouragement and think they're still in faith, and you're not. Yes, I am, Pastor Stephen. Uh, no, you're not. If you're, if you're walking around saying things like, it's not working. Pastor Stephen, I just don't understand why it's not working. Oh, I've got a question for you. Who told you it's not working? Well, it, it just seems like it's not working. Nothing's happening. Well, what happened to Mark chapter 11, verse 24, where you out of your own mouth prayed, and when you prayed, as Jesus said, that's the place, that's the time, that's the point where you believed you received, that's the place where you believe you took it by faith. Yep, I remember that, Pastor Stephen. I claimed it, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, and I prayed, and I believed I received it. Well, then why are you saying it's not working? Because you're basically saying that you don't have it. Because if you really believed that you had it, and that you had it when you prayed, and that you received it then, you wouldn't be saying it's not working. Do you see how discouragement can be very, very sneaky? Praise God. Hallelujah. Again, these are things where the, Lord's at, the Lord has had to deal with my heart at certain times. Certain times when I thought I was in faith. And I wasn't in faith. I was in frustration. God, you need to, you know, have, having these so-called prayer moments with the Lord. The, uh, God, something's not right. It's not working for me the way it works for these others. It's not working. It's not working. And the Lord has just pointed out to me, Stephen, you're, you're just discouraged. Just take a little break. Get a little, get a little nap. Get something to eat. And, uh, and you know, and then just get back into your word, build yourself back up, and you'll be just fine. And, and that's what I've done. If that discouragement tries to hit me, you know what? I'll just get back into the word, build myself uh, back up, and before I know it, boom, right back in faith. But don't, don't think that you're in faith when you're in the discouragement. If you're discouraged, realize that, and realize you're not in faith. And God said, God said, do not fear or be discouraged. You really have to watch out for discouragement. You know what? There's not a preacher that I've ever met that after he preaches, where the moment, it seems like the moment you're done preaching, the enemy says, that's not going to help anybody. It's like the enemy is just right there to try to throw discouragement on you. And you know what? You could have people whose lives were changed by the message but when the preacher's done preaching, the preacher goes in the back room, sits down, and the enemy just tries to say, you know what? That message is really not going to help people. That message did not get through to the people, and you really should have taught on something else today. That's, that, that type of an attack is the same thing as an attack of a spirit of fear. What is it? It's a spirit of discouragement. Praise God. 
glory to God. And by the way, that's why I appreciate many of you that, you know, you'll just send an email, hey, Pastor Stephen, that one particular message, wow, really, really just got me back on track with God, really lit my fire, really helped me to get back into God's plan for my life. Uh, so uh, those, those things are a blessing to my life. I appreciate that. But either way, I'm going to resist discouragement, and I'm going to be in the Word of God building my faith up. And let me say this also to those ministers uh, that would be watching. When you minister to the people, you, can't, you cannot minister out of a discouraged spirit. You can, but you're not going to be able to minister that life-giving Word. Why? Because, because you're deflated. And, you know, if you, if you stand before the people, and you, uh, you know, you preach messages like, well... I'm here to share God's word with you today, but y'all pray for me because you know, whew, you know I'm going through a hard time, and you know what? The devil's been busy this week, hasn't he? If, if you believe that, raise your hands. And you know what? When you talk like that, if you're a minister and you're talking like that, you're just spreading unbelief, and you're not giving the people anything that they can anchor with you in faith and agreement on. Why? Because you're not in faith. You're in discouragement. Praise God. So you must rise up. Hallelujah. And this really is coming into maturity as mature men and women of God, not just for ministers in the pulpit, but also anybody in the body of Christ in leadership. You have to be strong. You have to be strong because the word discouraged in the Hebrew, it literally means to have a breakdown. And God says, don't do that. Don't let yourself go into that place. Well, Pastor Steve, they said something, they hurt my feelings. Well, the, look, well, just, just keep on going. Just forgive them and, and love them. And you know what? Maybe they don't understand, but you stay strong in the Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have to be strong as a leader. It, it's something that a good minister told me years back. It was, it was probably almost 20 years ago. And this man had an international ministry and heavily impacted some nations with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Stephen, if you, if you want to be successful in ministry, you're going to have to have a heart like a lamb, but skin like an elephant. Woo! Because you'll have people that, that are very sweet, that are, they're very appreciative of the anointing of the message of the Word of God. But you'll have others that just, um, it's just, it's kind of like why God told Jeremiah, hey, you're going to be speaking to people that their foreheads are like brass or like, or like flint. The Lord says, I'm going to make yours, I'm going to make your forehead stronger than theirs. So if anything I, I give you to say bounces off of them, we'll just bounce it right back even harder. God said, my words like a hammer cannot be broken. <laughs> Glory to God. So you have to have that heart like a lamb, uh, an exterior like an elephant. Don't wear your emotions on your sleeves. Uh, I, I'm talking about emotions of like maybe like losing it. Don't do that. that. That's a sign of immaturity. Praise God. You need to be strong in faith all the time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. Verse 32, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents. You know, the entire wilderness journey, while they're traveling, the Lord's going before them and pre-planning where their next rest area is going to be. Just the kindness, the love, the tenderness of the Lord to even pre-plan where their next camping destination is going to be at. He's very, very kind. And the Lord had gone before the Jewish people, and even before there was a Jewish nation, even before Abraham was ever called to come there, God had already picked out a place for a covenant people that would one day exist, a place that He said was a land that flowed with milk and honey. A place that formed a natural land bridge 
that was a central location, unique, unlike any other area in the world, that actually linked three continents together, the continent of Europe, the continent of Africa, the continent of Asia. Because back in that ancient day, if you wanted to get uh, travel back and forth, there is a certain little strip of land that you've got to cross through. That became the land of the modern day Israel. Location 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 God had all this picked out for them before it was ever it was ever like uh, fleshed out before it was ever you know built out oh God had gone before them in the way to search out a place just for them and he's done the same thing for you and that's the grace of God God's grace Jesus going to the cross laying his life down and establishing a new covenant that includes the blessings of Abraham coming upon the Gentiles in Christ, that includes eternal life, the greatest thing of all, that includes healing, that includes a covenant that you can step into of prosperity all through Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And it's all on the banquet table. It's all there for you, just like it was all there for the, for the Israelites. But so many of them did not go into it. Why? Because even though the grace was poured out, what is the grace? It's the gifts. It's God saying, hey, all of this I've searched out, pre-planned, pre-organized it, and now have put it before you. And all you have to do is take it. So it's the grace of the gifts and uh, even the gifts in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine spiritual gifts, they are called the charismata, also translated the grace gifts. So the grace for God to pour it out, make it available, but you have to possess it by faith. Because even though God can say, here it is, take it. Well, you, the way you take it is by faith. Okay, God, I grab it, I believe it, I receive it, it's mine now. I go up now, and I begin possessing. And God says, good, that's the way you do it. Because without faith, it's impossible for you to please me. So that, that, that's how you do it. So you don't want to just stand there and say, ah, oh, it sounds too good to be true, can't be. No, don't do stuff like that. You, don't say, ah, oh, that, that just can't be. No, go in. Go in and begin to possess that wonderful thing that God searched out just for you. Uh, uh, something so good. Listen to what God said about what He had searched out and pre-planned for the Jewish people. Deuteronomy 11, verse 11. Uh, let me start in verse 9. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Swore to give it to them. All they had to do was believe it and go in and take it to them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. In other words, it's not like Egypt. When you were slaves in Egypt, you had to have methods of irrigation, canal irrigation. I used to work for an irrigation company for several years, and I understood surge irrigation, where you have these long troughs, and you send that water down that, that irrigated trough, and then it can uh, begin to, uh, the, the higher beds uh, where the plants are planted at, the vegetables and so forth, they begin to tap into that, that uh, smooth flow of water that you've sent down there. But you have, to, you have to pump that water down there every day. Why? Just pump it from the river because it's not getting out there naturally while you're in the middle of a desert. So this is not like Egypt. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Mm -mm. A land, watch this, for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. God had this specifically planned for them. His very, very best for them. God knew what they would like. God knew exactly where to put them and had everything in that land for them to the point that even when they went into the Canaan land to possess it, they're going to be possessing houses that they did not build, vineyards which they did not plant, um, just grapes and olives and fig trees and pomegranate trees is all there. Glory to God. 
Well, Pastor Stephen, that doesn't seem very fair that they're going to go in and take something that somebody else built. Well, you have to understand the context of that. The nations living in the land of Canaan were practicing such horrible things that God said the land itself is ready to vomit them out because of what they're doing. Those people worshiped uh, demonic idols and they were demon possessed. And really, that's the problem with the heathen nations in the Canaan land of why they've got to come out. Why? They're all demonized people. And it's not like back under the old covenant, if you're demonized, there's a solution for that. If you're demonized, your children are demonized, and it's just a big mess. And they had gone so far into it that the land was ready to just vomit them out. And so God says, okay, the land's going to cooperate with you. I'm working with you. Angels are working with you. Go take it. And they did not believe that they could do it. They just didn't believe the Lord. But that's why these things are written so that you and I can look at their example of why they failed, and we're not going to fail. We're going up. But be careful that you don't mistake knowledge of, I know how to possess it, and uh, I understand faith, and yes, Pastor Stephen, I've read all about going up. Don't mistake knowing about all of this and still not doing it. You must go in. You must put action and works to your faith and Jesus said wisdom is justified by her children. What did he mean by that? Wisdom is justified by proofs. Well, that man's a good father. How do you know? Look at his kids. And wisdom is justified by children. Okay? So, same thing. Faith producing, it gives proofs in your life. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. And so you go in and possess. You're going to have all kinds of proofs. You're going to have children of wisdom all around you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're going up into the promised Canaan land that God has for you, possessing, taking it, taking it. Now, right now, shake off any discouragement, any breakdowns, any doubts any uncertainty, and recognize it for what it is. It's discouragement. And God said, don't go into that. God said, no fear, no discouragement. Don't do that. Don't do that. So come on, get back up right now. Get back into the Word. Get back in the faith. That land is yours. God's waiting for you. The angels are waiting for you. Go get it. Hallelujah. Oh, the enemy, he'll put up a fight. No biggie. It's a fight of faith. Okay, that's why we are told in the scriptures to fight the good fight of faith. We're not fighting the, you know, the Nephilim or the Anakim. We're not fighting Hittites, Gergesites. We're not fighting people. We are, we are fighting the good fight of faith and coming against fear and discouragement and saying, no, we're not yielding to that. We're staying in faith and we're going into the promised land. And watch, you will possess, you will possess somebody's about to get a breakthrough miracle job. God just showed me that. You need a job, somebody, you may be on a job that's a dead-end job, and you're believing God to break out, there's an, there's an anointing. Fill out that dream resume. Fill out that dream application. Fill out, apply for that dream job, and believe God. Hallelujah. Somebody else, perhaps a job has ended, and you're going into a new season in your life. You're going into something better much, much better, where your talents are utilized that God has put in you, and the giftings that are on you are going to be a great asset to that company. Glory to God. Now take that by faith. That's part of your promised land. Take it by faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. We resist the spirit of fear, and we also resist the spirit of discouragement. Thank you, Father God, that we will not be in spiritual frustration. We will not be in natural frustration. We will stay on the solid rock of your word. We will stay on the firm foundation of faith. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, your faith's coming back alive. I can sense it by the Holy Spirit. You're back on track. You're back on track, and that's what we were after today. Let's now take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today and you've never made
Jesus the Lord of your life, but you would like to do it right now, just pray this prayer out loud after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. Wash me clean with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you. Amen. Okay, if that's you, join us today as a church family and take communion with us. Just grab some, uh, some bread and some juice. Praise God. Father, we bless this. This is now the flesh of Christ, the blood of Christ. We, we receive it as such. Thank you, Father God, that we're on your word day and night, feasting on your word. Woo! Walking in the, the strength of your word, washing and renewing our minds with your word. We thank you that we are those of the Joshua generation. Thank you, Father God. We are possessing our promises and we are inspiring others to do the same as well. I thank you, Father, for great proofs and great evidences of, of the proof of faith in the life of your people. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for spiritual children all around them, accomplished projects all around them, tasks completed all around them in Jesus' name. Father, by faith we receive now the flesh, the body of Jesus. Let's partake together. What God has for you is glorious. What God has for you, it just makes you so happy. My friend, go get it. Receive the grace gifts of the Lord. Go get them. Hallelujah. Take them by faith. Hallelujah. Take it. Pray and believe that you receive when you pray, and you shall have it. That's what Jesus said. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't have to understand all that. Just believe it. Just believe it. Step out on it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we're not just hearers of your word. We are doers. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Keep yourself built up. Keep your faith active. Stay, stay in the game. Stay in it, hallelujah. Stay in it all the time. Stay on faith, praise God. And recognize discouragement when it tries to come in and realize that's not of God. That's not of God. Get back on faith, praise God. Heavenly Father, bless your people today. Take them into their Canaan land. Let them possess every heart's desire. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for the good land that you have for them. In Jesus' name. It's better than you think. Go get it. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.